You Can Mentor is a podcast about the power of building relationships with kids from hard places in the name of Jesus. Every episode will help you overcome common mentoring obstacles and give you the confidence you need to invest in the lives of others. You Can Mentor. Welcome back to the You Can Mentor podcast. My name is Stephen, and I'm here with a very special guest, Amanda Bannister. How the heck are you, Amanda? I'm doing great. I'm so glad you're here. This is the first time we've ever videoed a podcast, so it's it's kind of intimidating. Someone is watching us at this very moment while we are sitting alone in this room. Yeah, that's a little scary. It's practically 1984. We're living in it. Right, here Um, we are. Amanda is an amazing woman of God. She leads a ministry called Lighthouse Latvia. The mission of Lighthouse Latvia is to teach, nurture, and empower aged out orphan teens toward healthy adulthood through practical life skills and relational Christian discipleship. Yeah. Wow. That's it. That is awesome. So I want to ask you more questions about how you ended up in Latvia specifically ministering to aged out teens and orphans, Mm. which I feel like, I mean, obviously with our podcast, we want to equip mentors to mentor kids from hard places. And we, it would be easy for us to identify those experiences as traumatic, as very difficult Mm. situations. And so I'm sure you have a ton of stories. I want to share even just how I met you. I met Mm. you and your husband, Landon. In a life group environment, you guys were probably two of the most eclectic people I've ever met. (laughs) They still Um, are. (laughs) Yes, you have not changed. changed. And so I feel like with you guys moving to Latvia, Landon still looks like he could be in a goth metal band if he wanted to. Mm, Yeah, Um, totally. And also, but has this other side of him that's like this engineer that, mm. you know, just develops yeah. and designs drones for a living. Just right. no big deal. You Maybe know. missiles. Maybe. Who, who knows? I feel like he's one of the he most interesting people I've ever met. I feel very much the same way. He is a character. There's never, never a dull moment. I love it. Never. And you, you went to SMU with Landon, mm-hmm. Southern Methodist University, represent, yep. hashtag, pony up. Pony up. Yep. Um, I just don't see you guys as the the usual SMU student. I'm going to go yeah. out there and say it. Yeah, I, you know, we get that a lot. Um, I went for a dance performance, and SMU has a great dance program. So that's they how do. I I've ended been to the up brown there. Bag. Yeah, so. yeah. So that's how I ended up there. Um, and Landon ended up there because of scholarships that he had available. So he, he said yes to SMU for that reason. And then... You know, we met and that was great. And we have since moved on and far, far away from Dallas, but literally, literally far, far, far away from Dallas. But that's where we kind of ended up for school and, and it's pushed us into this next season. So yeah. but that's where we met. That's, that's where awesome. you and I met. I love it. Y'all's wedding. Not just because I officiated the wedding, yeah. but the dance was so beautiful. Okay, that's like so funny. You guys had people in tears while you guys <laughs> were dancing. Yeah, you want to know something funny about that? I was so frustrated because he was off of the music. <laughs> he was completely off of the music, and everyone loved the dance. But I was just like, Mm-mm, no, no, it wasn't. It wasn't right. He wasn't on the music. It was but, perfect. Uh, you know, oh. 
my memories will always be that he was you cannot taint my memory of that moment but everyone else everyone else loved it and that was great but it's it's a really funny point for us it was a difficult moment it was a difficult moment in our marriage for sure never mind moving across an ocean but that dance was the the hard part there that's awesome (laughs) yeah it was great wow it was great Okay, well, tell us more about you, how you kind of ended up mm-hmm. in Latvia. Because I know when you were in college, you would share stories with me about going to Latvia for the mm-hmm. summers, sleeping on trains, yeah. and yeah. just kind of, yeah. I mean, you just felt called to go. Kind of tell our listeners a little bit about your backstory, how you grew yeah. up, where you grew up, right. about your eclectic family. (laughs) Yeah. So I grew up in East Texas in a tiny town called Athens. I'm one of six kids. Uh, So I grew up in a big family, um, just a lot of fun and craziness. We were all homeschooled. So we were home all the time. Everyone in Athens was in homeschool. No, just us us six. Everyone else (laughs) wasn't, everyone else was in school, but we, we had a lot more fun. Um, And yeah, so that's where I grew up. And I, when I was six, I decided I wanted to follow Jesus. When I was eight, I decided I wanted to be a missionary in Russia. So I tell people all the time that I got like, you know, I stopped early and then I just kind of got distracted. (laughs) I never ended up in Russia, but I am in a post-Soviet country and not very far from (laughs) Russia. But when I was eight, I knew that that's what I wanted to do with my life. Um, I also wanted to be a dancer. So that's why I went to school for dance and all this. Um, So yeah, I think I always just had a really strong conviction with how I wanted to live my life. And I, I wanted to pursue this thing. And then of course, you know, you grow up and you, hit high school and you kind of want to figure things out on your own. And then you go to college and you want to keep figuring things out on your own. And in that whole season, I would say I strayed pretty far um, from God in that whole journey. Mm -hmm. But I think um, when I was 18, I was invited by my church to go to Latvia and I was invited to go for a basketball camp of which I am not an expert by any means. That is awesome. Yeah. At least it wasn't painting. I mean, it could have been, yeah, it could have been painting, but no, it was a basketball camp and I was, I mean, I laughed when they invited me when my church uh, asked me to join, but I was like, "Eh, you know, Europe, people, something fun. (laughs) I can dribble a ball for a week if that's what it takes close enough to Russia to like fulfill my calling. Um, so yeah, (laughs) exactly. So I go, I go to this little country of Latvia that I had no idea where it was and I fall in love. I'm there for maybe three days and I'm, I'm pretty sure I called my mom whenever I got internet and was like, I'm going to live here. I'm going to come back next summer. I'm going to spend the whole summer here and this is where I'm going to end up. I hadn't even left for college yet. And so like, probably not what my parents wanted to hear. <laughs> they, I don't think they believed me really. Um, but I did. I went back the next summer and I worked with a church. I went back the next summer and I worked with another organization that worked with just, um, kids and youth from a nearby city and they did camps and I just went back every chance I could. Yeah. Um, so I did that for seven years, uh, before moving there. Wow 
to work full time. But in that seven years, I kept getting invited to go to these camps that were for kids from the orphanage. And I kept saying, no, I did not want to go do that. Uh, It sounded too hard and I Mm. did not feel like I had the skills or resources. You want to stick with the basketball camp. Right. You know, because that was my skill and resource, obviously. (laughs) But uh, yeah, I just didn't feel like, you know, I could do that or I was called to do that. I don't know. I didn't want to do it. That's what it comes down to. And, um, I got asked again in 2015 to go and do this. And I said, I'll pray about it. Of course. But then I did pray about it. Uh (laughs) (laughs) It wasn't just a cop out. I actually went and prayed about it and I was like, well, God, you know, what do you want me to do? And he was like, um, duh, I want you to go to this camp. Hmm. And I had never heard him speak so clearly about doing something. Uh, and so I kind of couldn't ignore it. Did you really say duh? I mean, yeah. God's a little, <laughs> God has to be a little sassy with me, I think. Like, he's like, I have been telling you this for years. Uh, yeah. So I, I need a sassy leadership Since sometimes. Since you were eight. Amanda. Yeah. Like, come on, girl. Catch up. Uh, so, yeah. So I, I agree reluctantly to go to this camp. It's like 14 days long overnight with kids that have grown up in really, really, really hard situations. Mm. And it was a nightmare. It was the hardest thing I ever did. And I remember just how hard the kids were, how many fights I broke up. I was in charge of a bunch of little boys that were about seven or eight. Um, But my heart was completely transformed in that Mm. week. And when I left, I just couldn't go back to normal. I couldn't be okay with just being in Dallas and not serving. I couldn't be okay with not working with these kids. And Mm -hmm. so, um, that was when I came back, I went through a discipleship school and I was like, spiritual adoption is real and we need to model that as a church. And we need to step out in that, in the hard ways, not just in the, this is such a great concept, but in the truly like just the stuff of life ways. And that was, yeah, that was, there was no going back for me after that. And the next year I moved Wow. the next year I was like, this is it. I'm going. And in that first year of, of working overseas with these kids that were still in the system in Latvia, I realized that there was a huge hole of understanding spiritual adoption and and mentorship and parenting Mm. for the kids that are after 18. And that was where the lighthouse came in. Hey. Yeah. Well, can you tell us more about that two weeks of camp, like where, I mean, light bulbs are going off mm-hmm. on on just your connection to yeah. these kids from hard places? Mm-hmm. Can you tell more about that that experience? What was different about that than than all of my yeah, yeah my basketball camp well the, the some of the differences were you know the first day I get there I was getting cussed out and and flipped off by my seven-year-olds I think it was a really big stretch for me because I value so much what people think and and say about me yeah I value it so we much. Do. We all do. And was and it I got in Latvian or oh, English? Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> they did not speak. That was another <laughs> that was a completely different problem. <laughs> I didn't even know what they were saying, I'm, but you're like No, I knew I knew a few of those things. <laughs> it's really it's a blessing. So we I, I joke all the time about people coming over for missions. I'm like, 
just be thankful you don't know the language. It is really nice to be blissfully ignorant and to just <laughs> love on these kids. It's wow. great. But when you can understand a little bit, it's it hurts. It's and rough. it's it's hard to not feel like where they are is a reflection of who you are. Mm. And you know, I had to kind of learn that. But the first day I'm like in tears going, there is no way I'm going to survive the next 13 days. Mm. There's no way. But um, as hard as the things were in the first two days in quiet time one day, um, I was just like, God, you know, I don't even know. I don't have the skills. I told you I don't have the skills. Uh, I don't know what to do. Please tell me what to do with these boys. Please tell me how to interact with them. And, um, I felt like God was saying, I want you to sing them a lullaby and tuck them in every night. Mm. And that seemed like a really achievable goal for me. Um, I was like, okay, I can do that. Like no matter how bad the day gets or how many things I have to kind of walk with them in, if I can make sure that we do this thing, we, we connect and they get this nurturing care that they need for that few minutes. If that's all I can really do at least it doesn't ref- like it doesn't build this this barrier between us. It doesn't say, "Well, you were bad today, so I'm not going to meet your need." Exactly. Yeah. So that was what I felt God was telling me to do in this week, and I saw like our fights in the room for sure just completely went away mm. because every every little boy knew that he was going to get his moment. He didn't have to fight for this moment. Wow. And um, each one would get it. Each one would get their little tuck- tucked in, and and you know their little back rub if they wanted it and so it was really sweet to see that God already knew their need yeah and he knew how I could kind of step into that in this short-term context yeah and um so it completely changed the week and not just their behaviors but my heart completely yeah and so when we came across some hard things um like there was one little boy who was having some problems with um just some, some really personal issues that he was getting bullied for. And they were, they were dirty issues. It was really hard to, to step into those kind of places with this little boy, but to be able to sit across from him and to say, you are so precious, even in this Mm. was a lesson that I don't think I will ever forget because it was so sweet to just see his armor come off when he knew that he was, precious and valuable and seen and that even in this like really hard stuff he could be okay in somebody's eyes and it was mm-hmm. awesome yeah. and I think I think I'm addicted to seeing that in <laughs> in people that's of good. all ages like that I mean if that's what I live for that is like that gives me just a yeah. thrill to have someone know their preciousness it's yeah. like and and you don't get that experience Unless you engage in the difficult spot. Yeah. And I I mean, I love what you said about Mm -hmm. connection. Yeah. Um, Because I I feel like our tendency is to become like go with discipline parent mode where our own lane is just I'm correcting, correcting, correcting and not connecting. And I think that 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 is so huge. Because that's the piece that's missing, particularly mm-hmm. in a kid who is aging out of a system that's been yeah. designed to fill a relational gap yep. that isn't necessarily probably doing right. what's, what's required.
and I, I have this conversation with people all the time because, you know, I have a lot of friends that are doing ministry in a lot of different areas when it comes to working with kids from these really difficult places. And I remind them all the time, working outside of brokenness will never, ever really do it. We're, mm. we're trying to enter into a system that is just not how God designed it. Mm. And we have to accept that that's going to be really hard. What do you do in your work that establishes like a, a new normal for these kids? Because I'm sure when you grow up in, in like the system, mm. like that is just your normal, like for you. And so when you engage with an adult that gives you attention, affection, affirmation, mm-hmm. all of the things that you've, you know, you need, but like can't pinpoint how, how has that been just establishing like you deserve to be loved right. and what, what does that look like for you? Yeah. So for some of us, a lot, a lot of what we do is modeling that we, and we, we talk about it when a student joins our program is we respect each other. And in our contract, it does not say that you respect us. It says that we respect each other. And so we will treat mm. you with the respect that that you deserve as a, as a person, but you're also going to enter into that with us. And we don't expect them to do that perfectly. It's really hard. But I think what's really important is that they get a chance to learn to do things in a new way. Yeah. And, you know, if I come in with my assumptions on how we should treat each other and how we should act and, you know, whatever things I'm coming in with as an American who didn't grow up in this Latvian culture and, just all of it. Like if I come in expecting them to do it right the first time, expecting them to listen to me no matter, no matter what, then I kind of sacrifice the relationship to an extent. And that's just not worth it. That's not worth it. But some of our like daily weekly rhythms for building connection are like coffee time. We meet for coffee each week. And the whole purpose of that meeting is to not correct Mm. that we we don't teach, we don't correct, we don't do anything. We just meet for coffee and we talk. And, you know, yeah, they say things that are like, mm, maybe I should correct that, but I'm not <laughs> going to. I'll bring it up later if it comes up. Or if it's really urgent, I'll bring it up after that's over on the walk back to the office. But that time is sacred. That wow. time is just meeting with them. And that's one of like the very practical ways that we've stepped out in that. And I've seen it completely change some of our students perspective on relationships. They wow. know that they can just be. I think, I think that's, that's good to recognize, I guess for a mentor, mm-hmm. your time together with your mentee is sacred. Yeah. And that we're as a mentoring organization, mm-hmm. our, our job is relationships. It's not, Right. developing some skill or, yeah. you know, we have this goal like where, okay, we're going to get better. Like say we're not teaching people ping pong here. Right. Like, yeah. And it's easy to get frustrated if you see the mentor relationship as that, mm-hmm. where it's like, you know what? I'm meeting a need. Right. I'm not just right creating this goal of trying to change this person, but I'm actually trying to meet a need, a relational need. Right. It's right. like a deeper foundational kind of place. Yeah. So, um, I want to hear even some personal stories Mm -hmm. from you that, that you think, I mean, exemplify practicals for our mentors because our, our mentors, they, 
the kids they're mentoring, they have a parent in their life Mm -hmm. or they have both parents in their life. Um, But because of the environment that they're within, like everyone needs a mentor, but not everyone is in a place to seek out a mentor. Like that's why our mentoring organization exists is to pursue and seek out the boys, the the girls who need a mentor mm-hmm. but don't have the resources to seek them out. Right. Um, so I want to hear more more from you yeah. from your experience in Latvia that, right. that would translate to our program. Yeah. So a lot of our students have family. Almost almost all of them do have family. Um, mm. Family just has lost rights or, or things like that. Um, but something that's, I think, really important for mentors, I have um, – one of our students who she was one of our first students and um, she has never had a good, healthy relationship. She's never been in a safe space with someone. I remember about six months in and I was like, if this is all she got, if this is the only relationship where she was accepted and valued for who she is, then she will always have a higher standard. Mm. That that however much time God gives me with her, I am going to pour in as much as I can because then when she moves on, when she goes somewhere else, she will say, oh, this doesn't feel the same as that yeah. last relationship. You're setting the standard. You're That's setting great. a new standard. And I saw this happen with her this year. She went back into some relationships that... You know, she used to think we're the best ones in her life. She really did. Mm. And she called me and she said, this doesn't feel the same. This doesn't feel like when I hang out with you. This doesn't feel like when I hang out with my church. And so I knew in that moment, like, yes, yes, she is going to have a completely different set of friendships, a completely different life now because she knows what feels good in relationships and what feels good in relationships is the way that God designed relationships to be. And so if that's a week, if that's two weeks at a camp, if that's three months, if it's a year, you know, her standard has changed. I think that's really great for mentors to understand that that relationship piece is essential. Yeah. Self-respect is usually mm-hmm. something that if if we don't have self-respect, that leads us down a path of destruction. Right. Because we do settle for yeah. something less because we think, well, this is just what I deserve. Right. Or Right. And that starts from such an early time in a person's life. How you're treated is how you begin to treat yourself later on. And so when you have people come in and say, no, 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 you are valuable. No, you are precious. You are worthy. It changes things. Yeah. It's, it completely changes things. Yeah. Yeah. Tell us, tell our listeners the story of, cause I know you had a student live with with you for over a year. Yeah. And I know it was complicated. Yeah. But I I love what it represents of just the gospel. Yeah. And uh, we want all of our mentors to recognize that they are not just a positive influence for their mentees, but actually that in a way we are imaging 
Jesus. Right. We're yeah. representing yeah. him. And um, would love for our listeners to hear that story. Okay. So one of our students who I will call Sam, uh, she came to us at 19 and she had a lot of needs. She had a lot of very practical needs as well as just relational needs. She really, really was struggling. And she came to live in our home for a year. And um, in that process, uh, we learned a lot about what it meant to enter into someone's brokenness 24-7. And I, I kept going back all the time to what you did for the least of these, you did for me, which means that if I'm entering into the presence of this hurting child, I'm entering to the presence of my savior in a sense. And that weight (laughs) is really heavy. And that, I mean, that really is how we should approach entering into Mm. suffering is, you know, the suffering servant is here and, and this is a way to interact and to model the gospel and to model service and, and to not expect anything in return. And with this, Sam, particularly, we didn't expect her to ever be able to give us any kind of, you know, thank you or, you know, you guys are great or, you know, we just never got that. But she does call me just to chat and she calls me to be like, how was your day? And that shows me how much she knows about being with people. She's not just asking for help. She's not just asking for stuff. She really wants to connect. and. That's incredible. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like you give people, I guess, the authority to be a person. Right. And to recognize that yeah. like, they can seek relational needs and they can, I, I guess, if, if you feel valued, you're able to value. Right. Yeah. And I, I mean, that is a picture of the gospel of mm. Jesus laying his life down for right. us in love yeah. that then creates a fruit in our lives mm-hmm. as followers of Jesus that we're freed up to love because we've been loved. Yeah. I have a really fun testimony kind of story about, you know, when things get hard, when things get hard with a, a kid or a person or just someone that you work, when things get hard, it's really easy to ask God, like, you know, when, when can I step out? <laughs> you know, when is it okay for me to be like, all right, you know, God, this I is, did, did. this is really hard. Yeah. You know, I checked the box. I did what you told me to, but can I back up now? And I remember getting, getting to that point with, um, one relationship, uh, with a, with a young girl. And I asked God, like, you know, God, when is it okay? Like, this is hard. Every time I reach out, I just get met with aggression and it's really wearing on me. Like, mm-hmm. when do I get to say like, this is enough. And the only thing, he never answered that question, by the way. He never answered it, but he did say, uh, Amanda, your adoption was really complicated. And wow. I was just like, oh, <laughs> okay. Can you unpack that for me? Because I'm sitting here thinking, you know, I was adopted into this spiritual family when I was a young age. And what are you talking wow. about? And he goes, it took me, let's see. 15 years to get you where I, where I needed you 15 years of God, just daily patient, patiently mentoring me and being with me and my walk with him. 
And I remember he, he just kind of drug me through my testimony. <laughs> That's the only way to describe it. I did not walk through the memory. No, I was dr- like drug through it. Mm. And he said, see, yeah, it's not that simple. And I didn't leave you. And it was a really, really, it was what I needed to hear. And I think it was um, a huge part of why I do what I do now and how I got here and how I interact with my kiddos is like, yeah, you know, I, I was adopted yeah. and it was hard and it took years for me to understand. And I still forget that I'm a daughter of the living God. And I've been in this walk for 22 years. Yeah. So, you know, patience and, and, just compassion in that process is really essential and powerful. So good. Most of our mentors are not going to end up in Latvia leading an orphan ministry. I'm just going to go out there and say it. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) Lord, send your people where you will and bring people alongside Amanda in Jesus name. Yes. But very practically. Right. It's, it's, it's few and far between. And I, I'm saying that as an, to honor you because I, I am like so thankful that God called someone like you to jump into Latvia, mm-hmm. to learn the language, to invest in the lives of kids who are not easy to love, but are worth loving. Mm-hmm. And there was a lead up to going to Latvia. There was an invitation from a church to jump into a basketball ministry. Mm-hmm. There was a consistency on your part of going consistently and and then jumping in and saying yes but what what are some ways that you think men and women who are who are able to mentor can cultivate that passion to engage and meet those relational needs of kids in their community yeah i think um for me the simplest thing was i jumped where i saw a need um and there are high needs in Dallas. There are high needs in Texas. There are high needs in the States and all over the world. There are needs for people to be consistently involved in the lives of hurting children. Um, and I believe it is, I mean, it's already a call on our lives as believers to step into that. And I have lots of strong opinions about why it's worth it. Um, But at the core, I mean, God has called us to this. He has called the church to this. He has called individuals to this. And I think it's just a matter of saying yes to the opportunities in front of you. My opportunity happened to be a country that I have fallen in love with. But that could be your city. That could be, you know, your tiny town out in the middle of nowhere, Texas. There There are kids all over in need of a caring person to show them what a safe and healthy relationship looks like. Yeah. Um, and there are lots of resources here and you have the benefit of not having to learn another language. So in my mind, that's like a, this is great. <laughs> like you can communicate in your native language, the needs yeah. and speak to the heart. Like that's awesome. Uh, and so, yeah, just saying yes to those opportunities as they come is essential. sometimes it can feel like our own personal involvement when it comes to societal issues it's like this is a drop in the bucket yeah and and so i know your vision is to see like the end of 
orphans in Latvia, not the end of them, but like <laughs> the end of the end of orphanhood. Yes, there yeah. you go. It's just a small. We want them all to a totally yeah. small dream, <laughs> absolutely achievable in a year. Yeah, no, yeah, it is my dream to see the end of orphanhood. It is my dream to see the end of alcoholism. It is my dream to see the end of parents not knowing how to parent um, and their children going back into the same system they came from. At the core, it's my dream to see healing in families and in hearts uh, in Latvia and all over the world. I would love for there to not, I would love to be out of a job. Yeah. I would just love for that to happen. Um, So yeah, small things, but uh, (laughs) it can. But how do you not get overwhelmed and just thinking like, am I, am I making a difference? Yeah, no, I, I do. I do get overwhelmed with that. It's, I mean, some weeks. I hear stories from kids I know that, you know, aren't ready to enter into a program and and get the help that they need yet. And they are horrible stories. I hate hearing where some of my kids are. I really hate it. There he comes. Yeah, I really, I really do. And it is overwhelming to not know how to help. Yeah. But I think that's something God has kind of spoken over the years is to keep my eyes on the balance beam, so to speak, like take the step that you are given. Yeah. Don't look at the mountain yet. (laughs) Don't look up at the mountain, but to take that step and to be faithful in the little. Yeah. So that when those big things come, you can be really faithful in the big things. Um, But to just take those, those little steps. Yeah. And to pray that God has each of these children in his hands. Come on. So, yeah, little things. <laughs> Just small dreams from this oh. girl from East Texas. Yeah. But, yeah. That's so good. Well, it's it's inspiring. And and I think that that's, that's something that every mentor needs to hear. Because you can get entrenched in this, in the reality of these huge issues. Yeah. And desiring to Mm -hmm. see change, but just feeling like you're stuck or the relationships going backwards, like the progress you've made. Oh yeah. You've lost ground. And that, that leads to so many people stepping out of the game. Right. And I mean, that I, I just love your encouragement that you shared about the Lord speaking to you and saying, Hey, you're, your adoption process took a long time yeah. and that is such a good encouragement yeah. for each mentor to receive that word of mm-hmm. as God has been patient with you. Will you see this kid through? Yeah. And I, I heard it said years ago um, by a pastor, but the hardest work you'll ever do is pulling someone out of darkness and into light. Mm. It's the hardest thing that anyone could enter into. And you're not just entering into one person's darkness. You're entering into a generation of darkness. And I think it's so essential to enter into that with prayer and with a very, very long-term commitment for those hard times. And it is hard. It's hard to go forward and backwards and forward again. But it's God's work. And it is essential to healing. It's essential to the gospel and I think it's what Jesus would do if he was here thank you so
sharing, Amanda. Um, well, I'd love, I'd love for you to share just how our mentors can connect with you and your ministry. How can they learn more about Lighthouse and um, what do you have coming up? in this next season yeah so you can get connected with us of course on social media facebook and instagram we're not on twitter because i don't really know how to use it very well and does anyone still use twitter do you use twitter i think think people do but okay well i'm not one of those people so we're on instagram and facebook and of course we have a website and we have a newsletter that we send out that has more of the kind of testimonies of our students as they're growing and developing um and just prayers that people can be praying over this like I said the hardest work you can do is pulling someone out of darkness and into light and it takes a huge prayer covering this next season uh, we'll start in October with our monthly family dinners which are just kind of a time to come together and learn a new recipe and cook and eat and clean up and just be family Um, and then our weekly kind of small groups for singles but also for young mothers so that's a new thing that we're trying this year life skills and budgeting and prayer and all of that. That's awesome. So, yeah. Well, I love, I love what you guys stand for and what you're standing in. Mm-hmm. Um, and just that picture of a lighthouse, I think is the perfect analogy of what uh, a mentor does. If you're interested in connecting with Lighthouse Latvia, now is your time. Now is your time. Jump in. If you know and, where Latvia is, it's a huge bonus. Yeah, and send some recipes. <laughs> well, that is this episode of the You Can Mentor podcast. Please check our show notes to see more about Lighthouse Latvia and how you can be involved in their work in Riga. And we're just so grateful for having Amanda on the podcast. If you have any questions about jumping into mentoring, please hit us up on our website, youcanmentor.com. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts because that would just be great, you know, because we'd like to know how you're experiencing this podcast. And if there's one thing you take away from today's podcast, let it be this. You can mentor.